Good. Let me ask you a question here. And I want you to form your answer in your mind. <clears throat> but then I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about it. We're talking a little bit about identity. Let me set this up. Uh, earlier this year, we went to Savannah, Georgia. Some of you have heard me, I think, share at this. I don't know if I've shared it full. But we were at the first African church of America. Okay? Founded in 1773. And when we were there on the Thursday night, uh, before the meeting started on Friday, I had a vision. And it's built like most churches in England. If uh, Matt and Natalie would tell you, most of them are, have a, uh, what do you call it, balcony, and they're horseshoe-shaped. I mean, just about every one I've ever been in are built similar to this. The one where I had the encounter with Evan Roberts was built like that. But anyway, I looked up into the top. We were praying, and I saw a white man standing up there. But he was dressed in the clothes of the 1700s. I knew that it, I knew it was a vision, but I also knew he had come from the cloud of witnesses and was listening in to the prayers. And I don't fully understand this yet. I'm, I'm not telling you I'm coming into understanding. I'm desiring to come into understanding. I mean, you got to have desire before you can make the journey. And so at the end of the prayer man, I wasn't very long, a group was gathered. There was a young African-American young man that was part of the church. He was part of the leadership that was there, an incredible young man. And we got to talking, and I said, can I ask you a question? And I said, I saw a vision tonight. And I've got some question about it. And I said to him, the vision I saw was of a white man standing up here in the balcony. He was dressed in clothes of the 1700s. So I know that he represented something that has been. But this is an African church, not African-American church. It's an African church when it was founded. What, what does that mean? And he answered this way. He said, oh, that was Henry Sharp. Like he knew who it was. And it's like, do you see him too? No. <laughs> and I said, okay, who's Henry Sharp? And he told us this incredible story. Henry Sharp was a plantation owner who had slaves in South Carolina. And he had one slave by the name of George Lyle. And he began to notice that George Lyle, his slave, who was a good worker in the field, had a call to preach on his life. And so he took it upon himself to emancipate him, to free him from slavery, and he carried him to his white Baptist church and got him ordained. And they sent him to Savannah. And he pioneered that church. And if you'll look up the name George Lyle, you'll find this historical information <clears throat> He actually became, he went from Savannah to a foreign country. He is actually, history records, George Lyle is the first missionary, not first black missionary, the first missionary ever sent from the United States to another nation. And he went to Jamaica. No problem, Mon. But he went to Jamaica, and he founded a church that grew to 8,000 people. And you say, why are you sharing this? We, have, we uncapped a well out of that vision 
there, a well, a portal <clears throat> about an anointing coming over our nation to where we're going to begin to discern people by God's original birthright. Not by the color of their skin, not by their gender. You know, one of the things that's said about me, y'all love me and you live with me and you know me, most of you know me very well, but I've had this said to me many times, you know, said, when we listen to you, your language is very Southern, your stories are very Southern, and if people don't get past your, um, what's the word I'm looking for, your, not, not my slang, my uh, accent, that's the word, if they don't get past your, your accent, they don't realize the wealth of wisdom that you carry. Now, I'm, I'm not boasting myself, but what I'm trying to tell you, they don't really discern my original birthright. And one of the things that's been a problem in America is the fact that this Shebna spirit, that's in Isaiah 22, is a spirit over the nation where people are getting identity out of what they do or even how they look rather than identity out of who they are. And we had a service here two Decembers ago, I think it was, over a December ago, and we nailed a pink slip to that door. Part of it's still hanging there a little bit, that she's dead, and we fired Shebna because in Isaiah, it speaks about the firing of Shebna. And so we've, we're in a time that is no longer just necessary, it is essential that we put away a lot of things that we've been believe, uh, believing. Uh, I'm going to try, I don't know if I can communicate a thought that God gave me well yet, but I'm going to try to, and if I have a mishap here, y'all, something you hold, but a conviction is something that holds you. And you're only held to the standard once you become one with it. Remember what it says? It didn't say, and you will believe the truth, and the truth will make you free. It says, and you will know. And that word know is the word, it's a, it's a word of intimacy. It's a word of becoming one with it. <clears throat> and so I want to issue a challenge. If you've got something that you've been believing for a long, and I'm not talking about something that hadn't come to pass, but if you've got something you've been believing for a long time and you've not yet moved into that place of knowing maybe you're believing the wrong thing because what i've discovered is things that we believe we have a tendency to become defensive over but things that we know we don't become emotional and we don't feel like we have to defend them are you are you hearing me amen you know, you ever, we got some teachers here. I'm going to pick on Carrie because she's going to be in the spotlight, her and Josh later. But you ever had a parent come emotionally? And you're the worst, you're not just the worst teacher in the world, you're the worst human being in the world. Every experience, other teachers in the room, you know, you experience. And what happened is when people begin to let their emotion, but can I tell you something? They don't even really believe the things they say to you because their emotions are speaking. Am I helping you with that? Their emotions are speaking through you, through them, into you, and they're defending their emotions. They're not defending 
the truth because only when you become one and become intimate, just as Adam knew Eve, just as a husband knows his wife, when you become one with that, you can't be separated from it. Identity. Here's a question. Who are you? I want you to think for just a minute in your mind how you would answer that. If I would walk, I'm looking around the room. I know we have some of uh, Josh and Carrie's family here that I haven't met. I won't pick on one. But if I'd come up to one of you that I don't really know and I say, who are you? The tendency would probably be you'll tell me your name. And then you might even say, I'm Josh's sister or Carrie's sister or, or Carrie's brother. I know him back here or uh, an uncle or a dad or, or who you're going to with that. But the truth of the matter is that's not really your identity. Not even your name's not. I, I know we call it identification, but the truth of the matter is not the right answer when you tell us your name when I ask, who are you? It wouldn't even be the right response if you say, I'm the devil's worst nightmare, and maybe you are. But who are you? You need to answer that question. You know, I could give you a pat answer, and we could all say, we're son of God or we're a daughter of God, and those, that, that's the highest level of it. But you've got to come into that original birthright because your birthright does, is not about what you do. It's about who you are. Susan and I laugh as I travel I just am who I am, and we have this laugh. You know, people have told me I'm intimidating and, and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, I, I, we, one of our big laugh is when someone would tell me that, how intimidating I am, I said, yeah, I get up every morning and put on my intimidating blue jeans. <laughs> but here's something we're amazed about. You would be amazed, because we are, how many waiters, waitresses, wait staff, flight attendants, People around where I travel call me, hey, boss, where do they get this at? <laughs> you know, I, don't, I hope they're not calling me boss because they're thinking of boss hog. <laughs> but where do they, see, who you are will speak like, you don't have to do it. I'm not talking about because I'm barking orders to them. I'm just enjoying a, a cup of cappuccino. You know, I, I'm just enjoying being who I am and, and with that. But yet, that I, we had one, uh, uh, actually two on this trip that called me boss. You know, one of our waiters. And, and you know, with that, I've got a, there's a lady that works at a business here in town. And every time I go in there, she, she gives me a military discount. I have told her, oh, I am not military. I never served a day. And she, she uh, I mean, she just will get, every time I go, every time she's on the cash register, she gives me a military discount. And I finally told her, I said, look, I, I've never served a day in the Army, but yet I'm working for the greatest Army in the earth. And I told her that, and she said, well, that's why I want to bless you every time you come in. Are you hearing me? 
Because if you answer, I'm Gary Welch, or if you answer, I'm Ira Blackman, or Ken Billman, if you answer by that, that's not a, a wrong answer, but it's not really who you are. It's a sister, a granddaughter, a mother, a wife, a companion. And all of those are things that you know, but those, those are not her identity. When Smith Wigglesworth sat on a train car, history records, with a man one time, man sitting across from him reading the newspaper, threw the paper down and looked at him and said, you convict me, sir. He didn't say a word. He hadn't shared anything. In fact, I spoke with the man who was his spiritual son, you can call him. I got to speak with a man by the name of Albert Hibbert. The book, if you've read it, The Apostle of Faith. Mr. Albert is now with the Lord, but I got to speak with him. And I mean, he was almost feeble. He was so elderly when I did. I had to sit on the floor at his house because time and age had withered him to where he couldn't raise his head up to look at me. And so I went and sat at his feet. And he told me stories about Smith. And he knew of that story. He wasn't there when it happened, but he said this. Smith didn't even have his Bible out reading it. He would just, he said, Smith told me that he was just meditating on the things of God. And the man said, you convict me, sir. See, that was his identity. Are you hearing me? This is a, kind of a side story. Albert Hibbert told me one day as a young boy, he was with Smith and they were walking. He loved to walk and he said Smith didn't talk to him. He was actually not much of a man of conversation. But what he would do is walk and talk with God. And he said, I love to walk with him and hear him talk to God. And he said, one day I was walking with him and he took off running. And Smith was a big guy. <clears throat> he was very tall and he's running as hard as he could. And Mr. Albert Hibbert said to me, he said, and I thought if he's going to run, I'm going to run with him. So I took off running, and Smith ran up to a door of a house, and he hollered through the keyhole. He had to bend way over to the keyhole, and he hollered through the keyhole, and he said, Don't do it. Jesus loves you. And after a few minutes, they didn't knock on the door. The door opened, and a man came to the door. And as they peered into the house, they could see a chair and a hangman's noose. He was just about to kick the chair out from under him. But see, when Smith did what he did, <clears throat> that didn't give him his identity because his identity was he's a, he's a son of God. See, when, you're, when you become one, <coughs> excuse me, with your birthright, you don't have to wake up in the morning and try to think of things that you're going to do so you can please God or so you can build a ministry with it. I, I had a word given to me recently, and I'm, I'm not in any way boastful, but this, this word warped me. I mean, this word has just gotten in me bigger than anything. Very, very simple word given to me by Michael Richardson up in Kentucky. 
Uh, it's simple but profound. And Mike and I were talking about a relationship. I don't get to spend as much time. I don't get into his church as much as I used to. And I didn't want him to be disappointed because he looks to me as a spiritual father. And we were just talking about it. And he said, well, I have to tell you, I was challenged by your busyness. By the fact that you weren't able to come to my church as much as you used to be able to come. And he said, it challenged me. But I decided I talked to God about it. And the Lord told me, he said, he no longer has a time to father people because he's fathering a movement. Now, please hear me. This, that's not boastful. That's who I am. But it's still not yet my identity. There's probably a hundred more in this room that could carry a mandate or an assignment like that. So it, it's, not, it's not that that any of this makes one person more significant than the other. God is no respecter of persons, but he does respect the mandate, assignment, or stewardship he calls you to. Amen? Question number two, and I'm going to finish with this. Where are you from? Don't tell me you live in Olive Brand. Don't tell me you live in Memphis. Don't tell me you live in Orange Mound. Uh-oh. Don't tell me I made a mess. <laughs> It'll drive. Think about that. Where are you from? I'm going to go back to 2008. The church here was going through some financial challenges. Giving was way down. Remember the bubble busted? <clears throat> I prophesied that bubble was going to bust. They're just so, in fact, I don't know if you heard, but our president is trying to impose a restriction to where you can't just kill, keep going back and borrowing more money against your house as it goes up. Let me just tell you, most people need that boundary. <laughs> and I kept telling Susan, I said, there's just so many times we can go borrow money. I'm not talking about us, but people can go borrow money against their house. And, and it, it, see, when, if, if you go and borrow another 25000 and you buy $25,000 worth of stuff, that floats the economy. But, it, but I'm telling you, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's a train. And you're going to hit it at some point. <clears throat> Are you hearing me? Where are you from? I could tell you my address, or we could talk about 7140 Get, Get Well Road. I love it when I travel. You know, how many of you know what a big shot is? It's a little shot a long ways from home. When Matt and Natalie went over to Europe, they were big shots, amen? Because they were a long ways from home. But see, I love it when I travel and people come up to me and they, you know, they hear me speak and they say, how big is your church and with pride in my heart this is my answer we're not to a thousand yet because if I tell them that I've got the greatest hundred and some people that they are on the earth they're going to look at me you you got this great gift and you just spoke in this conference with Dutch sheets and junk bear. you just prophesied to paint off the wall and you only gather together a hundred people listen 
We're special forces. We're special off here. In fact, I know we're more than a dozen, but let me tell you what the devil calls you. The dirty dozen. And some of you are too young to remember that movie with Lee Marvin and some others, but I remember it and watch it every once in a while. Those are my kind of movies. Yesterday, <clears throat> someone picked us up to care some. We went and visited Gary Colbert in the hospital, and we got Lyft to pick us up and carry us back so his wife wouldn't have to drive us back. And uh, our driver was from Jamaica. And if it would have been three more minutes or two more miles further than what it was, I just had him stop and let me. I started to fight on the street corner. I, I just, I'm going to tell you, I just could not. The music was so aggressive, and he had it so loud, you know, with it. And, I, you know, I probably could have told him to, but I was looking for an entrance to speak something godly into him, so I didn't want to set up an offense at the beginning. But it was so beating. I mean, the doors were doing this on the, on the car. Was, <clears throat> and I'm not, listen, if you, like, if you like that type of music, go for it. I, I don't, okay? You know, I, you know, it just didn't, are you hearing me? Where are you from? So you need to get an answer to this. But back in 2008, when finances crashed, I pulled away to seek the Lord. Why are things so tight here? And two things that God spoke to me. The first thing he did, he showed me that somebody in this house that was counting the money was not tithing. I know we have guests here and friends here, but let me just tell you, tithing is not Old Testament, it's not New Testament, tithing is honor. It's just honor. When, when Abram went out to Melchizedek and carried him a tithe, it was before the law. <clears throat> and he honored him with it. And so we had someone here that wasn't tithing and they were counting and they were touching God's money and it was bringing a, 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 a curse on it. You know, Susan has done a message in the past, it's better to live on a, on a blessed uh, 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 90% than it is a cursed 100%. So we dealt with that. We changed our whole system of how the money is counted. We have good, you know, we have a, a checks and balances, but we changed it. Because I'd already corrected this person one other time. And I just didn't, I, I didn't feel like they were ever going to prove that they were transformable, <clears throat> not just teachable. And the second thing is, this is what the Lord said to me. <clears throat> now remember the question, where are you from? And he said to me, he said, are you an American trying to live in the kingdom? Or are you a kingdom man that lives in America? And let me tell you, this, when he spoke this to me, this was my answer. I just became a kingdom man that lives in America. And I shifted my whole thinking. And within 60 days in this house, with no new people added, nobody won the lottery or Reader's Digest. Publisher's Clearinghouse. No, there's not a Reader's Digest anymore. Nobody won. We, giving went up 125%. It was supernatural. There was one other part we only discovered 
uh, with that, that was also in 2008 is when we came into alignment with Dutch Sheets. We had a relationship, but an official, authentic alignment came, and we feel it, it plays into this story. <clears throat> and so when I say, where are you from, you need to shift your thinking. I don't know what your address is on Pleasant Hill Road, but it's not Pleasant Hill Road. See, the truth of the matter is if you're a kingdom person, you know, we're just passing through this thing. Amen? You know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about death. I'm talking about life more abundant. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking, <clears throat> excuse me, about death. I'm talking about moving into, and we're just passing through. But the truth of the matter is if you're getting your identity, you know, there's certain people who want to live in a certain part of Somewhere they want to live in a certain subdivision, you know, because you know it carries a status and and you know with it. Years ago, I was in a meeting up in up in um, Indiana with the prophet Roger Teal. Drum and Tom had put on a men's retreat, and I was there, and there was a guy there, and I, I got to be real cautious. I don't want to say his name, but every time someone asked him, all, all the men were from different places, never met each other, and every time he was asked who he was, this is how he'd ask. He said, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so. I used to be so-and-so's sound man for, for uh, 15 years. I mean, every time, every time he introduced, I'm, I, my name is John Smith, and I used to be uh, Dutch Sheets' sound man for 15 years. See, he was trying, and, and I'll tell you who it was. He was Phil Driscoll's sound man. And he would tell us, I mean, every time, I got so tired of hearing it, and, and I, I wanted to say something, but I decided I wouldn't say anything. And he had gotten there late to the, the first night. We just got there and had a meal, and the men began to interact with each other. And he said, well, I need to go out to my car and get my, my uh, bedroll and stuff. You know, it was kind of a rustic place we were staying. And Roger Teal looked at me with about 20 guys in the room. He said, come go with me, Clay. And when he speaks, he is the boss. I got up. And some other people in the room got up to go, and he said, no, just Clay. And I went with him to the door and of this log cabin that we were staying in, and it was raining harder than I've, it was raining as hard as I've ever seen it rain. It was pouring down. And right over the door where the door opened, there was no gutter, and water was running off the building. I mean, it was sheets of water coming down off of that tin roof on that building. It was so raining so hard we hardly could hear each other talking under that tin roof inside the building. And Roger stood there with the door cracked open. And when this guy walked back with his stuff in his arm, Roger stuck his hand out to his chest. And said, for the Lord would say unto you. And made him stand in the rain as he prophesied to him. <laughs> Maybe he needed baptized or a shower. I, I don't but he said, for the Lord would say unto you. They will beat you to death. No. If you climb up any other way in the way the Lord's made, they will beat you to death. And in your arrogance, you would say, who will beat me to death? And the Lord would have you to know those that have climbed up by another way. I close this morning with this. Who are you? Where are you from? Can I tell you what you don't want that answer to be? Someone that climbed up by another way. 
I recently had a conversation with someone who attended this church for a while, and I just told Susan, I said, I feel it's time to let him, has a tremendous gift. I said, I believe it's time to let him preach. Let him have the pulpit. We'll, we'll schedule it. it. This was a time back quite a few years ago when I was here more. <clears throat> and before we could contact them about this, they contacted us and we met, and they informed us, said, I've been here in this church 16 months. And you've not noticed that I am prophetic and I've got the word of the Lord for this house and you've not let me preach one time. They were almost to the end of their journey to be released into the liberty. And can I just tell you, the, the person left the church that would not even let us bless them and commission them to go out, refused all that. But just recently, we re they don't live in the area. We reconnected with them and they, they repented to us for the way that it was handled. I actually got a phone call later because they came and they realized the mistakes. And that takes a bigger person to do that. I've seen so many that carry that pride for the rest of their life, how they were done wrong, <clears throat> how they were misunderstood, how this went this way or that, went that way. I close in saying to you today, In fact, I, I just heard something. I'm not asking you to do a total fast, but I'm asking every one of us, I'm speaking to me, why don't we take the next 21 days, maybe August the 25th, am I right? Day the 4th? be August the 25th. Very interesting. I prophesied an incredible word on August the 25th last year about the 31-year reign of the Josiah Company. That was, the, that was the day that I got that word from God and released it. But can I just issue, can I beseech you? That's a good Bible word. Can I admonish you? But most of all, as your friend, as a family member here at City Gate, would you take the next 21 days and ask God to reveal to you his original intent for your life? His birthright for you. Can I just tell you? The reason we make mistakes and we have mishaps <clears throat> and we end up on the wrong, wrong roads and we try to do it that way because when we're trying to, to extend into something by our own means and by our own thoughts and it's not even what God has called us, who God has called us to be, then we're easily offended and we put things on the shelf and we don't make the journey and we don't pay the price I close with a scripture from God's word in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2 it says God will lead you into a wilderness to test you to humble you and to prove what's in your heart how many of you I think all of us but how many of you are mature enough by now that you realize if God asks you a question, it's not because he needs your answer. <clears throat> you ever had to ask one of these twins here, what, what are you going to do with that shovel? You see him going out back of that. I, mean, I don't know what it is. You know, what do, you, know, what do you, you, you know, two things I've learned about God that, 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 that was the nature of my dad is my dad was famous for saying, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> that, let me just tell you what that meant in my dad's life. 
I was just about to fall off the cliff. <laughs> I mean, I was leaning so far out, you know. And the second thing is the nature of it. It wasn't what he said. <clears throat> it's what he didn't say. And God's the same way. If I, my dad always had a better pickup than me. We were a GMC truck dealers, and I got the hand-me-downs. And most of the time, for many years, I didn't get his truck when he got rid of it. One of the other salesmen or service manager got his pickup. And we, you know, he always had. And so I'd ask him, hey, hey Dad, uh, how about me using your pickup Friday night? He had the first pickup I ever saw had electric windows in it. I mean, you know, I was wanting to impress Susan, you know, carry her out in a pickup that had electric windows. And I'd say, hey, Dad, how about using your truck Friday night? He'd just keep walking. It was like he was cold stone deaf. <laughs> he didn't hear, you know. And I asked him, I said, Dad, why when I ask you these questions, don't you? And he said, son, you got to ask me a real question if you want a real answer. <laughs> And I've learned with God, he's, he's the same way. I don't, think, I, I don't think it was that God hung around my dad and learned that. I think my dad hung around God and learned that somehow. So here's what I want to say. <clears throat> We've entered into a new era. We're about to enter into a new Jewish year in September. Actually, just about the time that we've got Matt Lockett and them in. And... Uh, <clears throat> I had promised Chuck Pierce I was going to be at the head of the year and then that come up, but I've actually worked out I'm going to fly down and fly back and be there for just a little bit of it and stuff. But I'm just telling you, spend, take 21 days and ask the Lord. Write it down, what he says to you. Bring it to other people that have authority and influence in your life and authority that is influence in your life and bring it to them and get someone to come in agreement with what. But know that you've heard God. Listen, you spend your whole life like a dog chasing its tail, going around Gilgal. I'm known for a statement. Gilgal is where you wear out Reeboks because you just keep going round and round and round and round and round. So can I pray over you? I, I'm so much on this page. <clears throat> because of that experience with Henry Sharp and hearing about George. Isn't that incredible? That's the pattern for our nation. See, it, it, all this race stuff, I'm telling you, it's the devil's work. It's the devil's work. What we got to do is just, you know, it's, it's, I, I, you know, it is so, I look around this room and, man, I love you. But I am proud of these strong women ministers that we have in this house. Because we're tearing down that gender thing. You know, I, can, can I, I mean, you know, we're hitting that Southern Baptist mindset right in the face. And I'm not, I'm not against them, but I'm just telling you, God, you know, you got to understand, you got to read the scriptures. And what Paul was saying, there is not anything that man has made it into. Because what religion does, it redefines truth to accommodate its own weaknesses. And the men who have been the hardest going back through history on women ministers were men who were insecure. And yet, ladies, don't get no victim mindset around me either. 
I don't like to get around these women that all the time talking about how they're suppressed and were suppressed or is suppressed. Or with that, that's a victim mindset. Stand to your feet. I'm going to pray over it. Then we're going to take just a moment, not just a moment, then we're going to take the time of the Lord. And we're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time this morning of dedicating Evelyn Ann. Amen. She is a beauty, too, I want to tell you. Father, I just pray over every person here <clears throat> that during the next 21 days, between now and August the 25th, they're going to set aside time to press into you to hear about their identity. Father, what you have, who, not what, who you've called them to be is your original intent and their true birthright and their true identity. So, Father, if there's been prophetic words given <coughs> that was spoke out of the soul of man or the flesh of man, let them be wise enough, brave enough, and courageous enough to brush them to the side and say, Lord, speak, speak a fresh word, a, a true word, a word, of, uh, a word that will validate my authenticity. So, Father, we just release that over this house and over these people. Anyone watching by <clears throat> web streaming, we, we release that over you, Patricia. We know you're watching there. You're part of the shareholders here even though you live away from here. And anybody else that's watching, we just release that over them. And we just declare the blessings of the Lord are up on us. In Jesus' name, amen.